of the Guns and Yoga podcast. My name is Wendy Hummel. In today's episode, you're going to hear my conversation with Amanda DeZanti, a former deputy sheriff turned first responder wellness coach and specialist. Amanda actively works towards giving first responders a way to manage chronic stress and mitigate the effects of working in a trauma-rich environment. Amanda shares her personal story of burnout and post-traumatic stress which ultimately led her to leave the job the same year she was named Officer of the Year. She's a certified yoga instructor and wellness coach helping individuals and agencies beat the burnout. So much of what Amanda discussed really hit home for me. Until recently, I haven't really talked very much about the end of my career because quite honestly, it was just too hard for me. Over these past few years, I have done some really deep personal work to kind of get at the root of some of the issues I had when I did retire. And I have found that the more I discuss it, the more I shine light on it, the more I accept it, the more I speak with others willing to share and be brave and share their own stories, the easier it's become for me to share mine. In fact, when Amanda was describing her exit from law enforcement and she said, quote, it was either me or the job and I chose me, Ooh, I felt a, a flash of deja vu when she said that. I was also named Officer of the Year in 2018, the same year that I ended my career, which was not planned. This realization reinforced the importance to me of sharing our stories. Amanda and I have very different stories. We live in different states. We come from completely different generations. But the common thread is we have similar emotions and experiences and feelings. Lately, a lot of my personal work has to do more with the end of my career and how the grief of retirement impacted me. I became interested in first responder wellness years before I exited, but the organizational betrayal, moral injury, and lack of agency that I felt that I had over my own situation, it was led to what I call my demise. But what has subsequently inspired my path to well-being, this podcast, and everything that I do Supporting others in the retirement stage has really become important to me, whether that be years prior, during, or after you decide to pull the plug. I'm in the process of creating a program for the soon-to-be or retired responder. I have seen firsthand the power of healing in a group setting in my year-long Radical Resilience Coaching Program, and I'm really excited to announce my next offering very soon. I'll put a link in the show notes for our Missouri First Responder listeners. I am working with the team at Pause First to put on a free, let me say that again, absolutely free grant-funded overnight retirement seminar in Branson, Missouri this December. It's going to open up at the end of October to all other states who may be interested, so stay tuned. What's unique about this event is that it's also open to significant others, so stay tuned for more information on that. One of the intentions of this show is to share resources and programs for support and first responder wellness coaching has been servicing in recent years. But what do we really know about it? Just like everything else I do, prior to becoming a first responder coach myself, I became curious. What does a coach do? What's the difference between a coach and a therapist? Do first responders really hire coaches? So in our conversation, Amanda and I covered this topic at length. And what you will learn is that each coach, just like choosing a therapist or a personal trainer, has their own unique set of backgrounds, qualifications, and life experiences. And it's really on you to make sure that who you hire is a good fit for you. This is why I like to speak with, promote, and collaborate with other first responder coaches like Amanda who are doing amazing work and who are truly in it to help first responders. Not every coach is for everyone. In fact, I spoke with another first responder coach in a previous episode when I interviewed Roger Ruge, and I'll make sure I put that link in the show notes. Amanda is really, really good at what she does. She has a way of integrating her knowledge of neuroscience, yoga, trauma, and more into the framework that she offers. She integrates affirmations, daily micro challenges. She provides a workbook meditation, and so much more for her clients. Amanda does frequent videos on TikTok that I find both impressive and entertaining. 
She balances important content with humor and knows how to attract her tribe. Amanda is an agency trainer, a coach, a yoga instructor, a mom, and a wife, and she's dedicated to supporting first responders through her one-on-one coaching program, her app, agency trainings, and soon she'll be launching a new app. So stay tuned for more information on that. I hope you enjoy the show and check out the show notes for ways to find Amanda and all the resources mentioned in this podcast. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you. It is so exciting to be here. Yes, it's it's taken us a bit to get this pulled off time-wise, but we finally <laughs> made it happen, right? <laughs> yes, busy women, but um, I'm glad to finally connect. Yes, me too. So um, today, for our listeners, we're going to be talking to Amanda Desanti. She's a former law enforcement officer. She's a yoga teacher. She teaches meditation, mindfulness, lots of different things. She's a wellness coach. So I'm really excited to talk to her today, and I think she's got a lot of good information and things to share with us. So Amanda, if you could start out and just kind of let us know a little bit about your background. And of course, I'm probably, I'm sure you probably get this question all the time, but, but start us off with your decision to become a law enforcement officer. I honestly, I don't know that it was a decision. It kind of just happened. Um, but so it, it might give you a better idea if I just go right into the background. Um, So I actually, I went to Kent State, um, and within my criminal justice programming, um, I was given the opportunity to shadow some people doing some undercover online investigations, um, kind of Chris Hansen type stuff, but, you know, fully, full reality, not TV show, obviously. So, um, and that really piqued my interest. And so I actually signed on as an auxiliary with that department um, at just 19 years old. And that then pushed me into um, joining the police academy at 20. And here in Ohio, and I think this kind of is the case for most of the U.S., um, you can't actually carry a weapon and be a law enforcement officer until you're 21. So I kind of was a little bit early to the party, but um, so I finished out my degree and started with the sheriff's office, um, did a multitude of different positions there, but the bulk of my career was on road patrol. Um, and we had a 520 square mile county and we would usually run anywhere between like four and six deputies per shift. So we were, we were running hot often. Um, and then I actually went from in 2015, I went from officer of the year in February of that year to complete burnout by September. Um, and at that point I kind of pivoted and became a criminal court victim advocate for around five years. And during that time, I went back to get my master's in criminology and victimology, which is essentially trauma is the the bulk of what we studied. And, um, I also went through a 10 month yoga teacher training during that time. Um, I had been doing yoga for at that point, I'm not sure how long I had been doing it. I started in the Academy, um, because I thought I really needed a good stretch. Right. And Mm -hmm. yep. Been (laughs) um, there. (laughs) And what, what I, uh, what I learned when I went back, um, to start, you know, getting a good stretch again was that it was so much deeper than that. And so that really became part of my healing journey. Um, and then I became a yoga instructor and, um, ultimately when I left that advocacy position, um, in 2020, I kind of took some time off to just figure out where I was going. And I, um, had a little stroke of genius and figured that everything that I had, um, been through and learned and studied, um, I could funnel all into one program and bring it back to my first responder brothers and sisters and help them get through the things that I struggled with. Yeah, that's, that's amazing because, um, when I'm listening to you, I just feel like there's so many similarities. So my mind is kind of going a lot of different places, but, but I do want to to back up just a minute. And I want to ask if you don't mind, you know, you mentioned, 
um, having this, you know, all intents and purposes, great career, you were on the road, you were officer of the year. And then you mentioned burnout, like within the mm -hmm. same year. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like what, what that, what, what occurred to lead to the burnout? Now it might be easier reflecting back. I'm sure during that time, it was hard to figure it out, but. Yeah. Yeah. Hindsight is 2020 for sure. Um, and what I didn't realize was that I came into the career with unresolved traumas, um, which is very, very common. Um, we don't get into these abnormal careers for no reason, right? It's not by coincidence usually. Um, and so what happened was I, I experienced more traumas, big T traumas, little T traumas, you know, cr critical incidents, and then just your everyday um, trickle of, of the smaller things. Um, and within that year, so I had already, I had also taken on a Marine patrol position, uh, patrolling the waterways. And so on weekends, it was nothing for me to work on the water from 7am to 2pm and then go work 4pm to 10 or 4pm to midnight and then do it all over again. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So I, because I enjoyed it and hindsight, I was, I was running from my own self. <laughs> um, but what that really looked like during that time was, um, I had, I really dove into the deep end quickly within my, in my career. And, uh, I started to see breakdowns of things in my performance. I wasn't getting reports in on time. I wasn't focused. Um, I was showing up to work. This is embarrassing, but I was showing up to work without my duty belt. Um, <laughs> I was, um, I did not have a good attitude. Um, just for an example, I, I met somebody or re got reintroduced to somebody a couple years after I had left full-time law enforcement. And she said, gosh, you look so familiar and I just can't place you. And we started talking and she goes, oh, you never smiled. Oh, and wow. I went, oh my mm -hmm. God. And that, I mean, that was like, my heart dropped into my stomach and she, fi she had figured out where she knew me from, which was the sheriff's office. And she didn't recognize me because I was actually smiling. And previously I had never smiled apparently. So if that wasn't telling, um, but it really became, I was irritable. I was hypervigilant, um, very paranoid. And in 2015, there was a lot of things that kicked off in the nation, um, that, you know, officers were getting ambushed, um, in their homes. Uh, there was one story in particular where a young deputy, uh, was ambushed by somebody who had been hiding in her bushes at her house and she was shot and killed. And that resonated with me because I lived alone. And that one, that one stuck to me. And, uh, I carried that with me and that really replayed in my head a lot. Um, well, I didn't expect to get emotional. That that must have really affected me more than I thought. Um, so, you know, we have these big quantum things that we hear and we have knowledge of that really break us down over time. And that's what I really learned was I, I had PTS and I was ignoring it. I had depression and I was ignoring it. Um, when I left, I had no choice, but to face the fact that I also had adrenal fatigue because I took about a month off in between jobs and slept for about 18 hours a day for an entire month. Um, so it was very interesting to see the direct effects that stress can have on our body. Well, first of all, thank you for being so open about all of that. I know it's not easy. Um, and it's, you know, I know that you know this, but it can be really helpful if even just one hurt person hears that, that, that may be going through the same thing. Cause a lot of times we don't talk about those things. Cause you even said, this is embarrassing, but I'd go to work <laughs> and I'd forget my duty belt. I mean, and I, yeah. and I hear you, but, but think about how, just how prevalent that is. We, we hear about all the signs and symptoms of burnout, but it looks different for different people. What I think is so important for people to take from what you just said is 
that it is a very normal reaction to some of the things that we experience, see, and do day in and day out. And even what you said about just hearing about things, that secondary trauma and how you personalized it because it you resonated so closely with it. So thank you so much for, for sharing all that. Yeah. And, and I, I will say a year ago, or maybe, you know, a little over a year ago, I wasn't able to say a lot of these things out loud, mm -hmm. but I realized that people needed to hear these things and know that a lot of us are going through the very, very, very similar things. And we think that we're alone, but the more we talk about it and the more we're open about it, we can see that we're all kind of in the same boat. And, um, so if, if I can share my story and, you know, be, be open about it, then, you know, maybe somebody else can too. And maybe that will have a, a really big ripple effect. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned adrenal fatigue and I want to get to that. So maybe we can explain a little bit more about what that looks like. But mm -hmm. once you realize that all of these things were leading you down a road where you're like, yeah, this, this, I, I can't go on like this anymore. What is it besides leaving the profession and going, well, you left the profession, but really didn't go, you were still in the criminal justice profession um, when you went from, <laughs> from the road to, to being a victim advocate. But what did you do? What, how did your, your healing path start? I know you mentioned yoga, but, but any other tools or things that you did that you can offer that, that were helpful for you? Yeah. Um, and this is a lot of what I work on now, um, because I don't want people to feel like they have to leave in order to get well. Um, so I've, I've really studied a lot of, um, physiology, neurobiology, um, a lot of my yoga stuff and figured out that when it, when it all boils down, um, we just, we have dysregulated nervous systems and we have to learn, we have to first be able to connect to our body and be able to listen to it, to identify what's going on. Um, but you know, law enforcement, we just don't have feelings. So I like to refer to these things as data and evidence and messages from the body. Um, so we have to be able to connect and then, um, work with our body because our bodies know how to heal themselves. Um, we have all of these systems built in and we just don't know how to use them anymore. And so, a lot of what I do is working, um, with the parasympathetic nervous system and kind of teaching people how to come down off of an adrenaline dump, how to increase your vagal tone. So working with your vagus nerve, um, and for anybody listening that doesn't know, it's, it's your 10th cranial nerve. It runs through your entire body. Um, and it can, you know, when it's activated, it can release serotonin and dopamine and endorphins. And, um, when you work with it in a, on a consistent basis, um, you can increase your vagal tone, which can make you, um, have a shortened reaction time when you have these adrenaline dumps and things like that. So, um, a lot of it is working with your body and that's what I was able to figure out. And then a lot of it is also, um, emotional intelligence and self-awareness. And we spend so much time avoiding feeling our feelings. And if we funneled that time into actually facing what we've got going on, um, and really just diving in head first, we, we would see that the only way out is through. And so if we stop running from it, then, then we can actually be free from it. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for, for all of that. I feel like I get so excited when I hear you talk. So I'm like, yes, you know, I'm like doing these internal high fives as I hear you saying all of this, but so for you, it looks like you, you know, you're learning about going to yoga, you know, studying yoga was part of, of how you came to this realization for yourself and then wanting to share it with others. Was there anything else, you know, oftentimes people on, and, and you know, it looks different for different people. Sometimes people, you know, credit like the support of family, friends, therapy, exercise, like different things like that. Was there anything else? Because it's usually a melting pot of things because it looks different for everybody. Oh yeah. Um, it, it was definitely a myriad of, of things. And one thing in particular, I think that allowed me to make the shift, um, was that I met my now husband. 
Okay. Um, I, we started dating and within three months he was like, you know, you don't have to live like this. And I had been, I, I was two and a half hours away from my family. Um, I, I moved up here when I was 18 to go to school and I, um, didn't really have that very close support system. I had a lot of friends, but I always kept people in an arm's length. And when I entered into that relationship, I had, I really had never had that, um, as an adult, that feeling of such support. And I thought, wow, maybe, maybe there's something to this. And I think that's what allowed me to, you know, move into a different direction and feel comfortable doing so. Um, but certainly there, there were a lot of different factors. Um, but for me, it wasn't really a choice. Um, and I, I don't talk about it often, but if it helps somebody, um, it was, it, there was a time where it was either me or the job Mm -hmm. and I chose me and I don't ever want anybody to have to get to that point, but if they do, I hope that they choose them too. Yeah. And again, thanks for, for sharing that because like you said, I mean, it's everybody's, everybody is, um, has a different story, has different experiences that land us in this career and, you know, depending on who you are and where you're at with all of this, you can decide to leave or you can decide to stay. There's no right or wrong answer. But I think the big takeaway is you need to take care of you. You're the priority mm-hmm. and not yeah. the job. Because uh, what I have seen and I've lived it is that we put our job before everything else, which is uh, we all know that that's not the best way to live. And some of us learn the hard way and figure things out. <laughs> <laughs> Hindsight's yeah, twenty twenty. Right. And that's really what I'm trying to help people avoid. You know, they, they love the job so much and the thought of not having that work family and having this deep purpose that they feel within the job, um, is terrifying. And so if I can help them navigate the stressors and mitigate the trauma, um, to stay in the job, then that's, pure gold for me. Well, and now if we could maybe transition and you can, and tell us a little bit more about how you do that. So you have a business and I know you do a lot of different things. You're a coach, which I'm really excited to talk to you about this. If you could kind of go into what offerings you have, how you can support people individually. And I know you do trainings for agencies too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do, um, some agency trainings for fire departments, police departments, um, and here in Ohio, my curriculum has actually been approved by OPATA, which is the Ohio Peace Officer Training Commission. So that's our, you know, a lot, a lot of states follow post, um, but that's our, uh, you know, regulating authority on all law enforcement training. So um, it was a really big deal that my curriculum got approved for officer personal wellness for uh, continuing education hours. Yeah, congratulations. Um, that is that is a big deal. Thank you. Yeah, it was very excited um, because I think that we, I was excited that Opata is even offering it. And um, then of course I was excited that uh, my stuff got approved because it's so needed. Um, So I I go to different agencies and I do that. Um, I I do speaking engagements. Um, I've I've had a few like uh, just speaking at conferences and stuff, which has Mm -hmm. proven to be a little more powerful because I think it's, it's almost a little sneaky. They don't come into it knowing what they're going to get. And then, so they're more open. Right. Um, when with this crowd, that's important. And then I do, uh, one-on-one training, uh, with clients and I have basically a nine week program that I've built. Um, and it, it feels, it all feels very organic as you're going through it. Um, because I kind of let the client lead, um, but I have built a framework to that has proven to be re- very effective um, to really allow people to um, connect with themselves, find their own self-awareness, and then kind of take their power back over it all. And that seems to be the most important because I feel like sometimes we, f- we go through life and everything's so fast-paced that we feel like we're just 
kind of bouncing into the walls and just trying to get where we're going. And when you can really shift your perspective and, and see things um, in a way that, you know, you create these own your own sustainable systems on how you operate, then it gives you, you know, kind of just bolsters you up and gives you a little more authority over your own life. Yeah, it gives you, I mean, we're notorious as first responders for wanting to control everything, even though we, we know that we can't always do that. It sounds like the way you're offering it is that you're, you're giving, you're, they're in the driver's seat. Like they, they're driving their, their own healing path. Mm -hmm. Essentially. Yeah. And it's interesting. And I know that you'll, uh, you'll connect with this, but I do it in a way, or I teach it in a way that is not necessarily control. Um, because we really aren't in control. And, and so I, I make that very clear, but we really work on developing systems and then kind of getting rid of the expectation of the outcome. Mm -hmm. So really just focusing on what you're doing day to day, what your um, operating systems are. I even have a whole workbook that is your personal constitution. You know, what do you, who are you at your core without that uniform? That seems to be a, a huge component, but, um, you know, really what I was getting at was, um, I'm assuming you're familiar with the yamas and the niyamas. Yes. Um, and so non-possessiveness, right? Like not trying to hold on so tightly to everything that you're really not holding on to anything at all. Um, and I hope that make, that's making sense because I'm, I'm trying not to give, give it all away, but <laughs> yeah, well, and it sounds a lot like just being mindful for maybe yes. people can maybe resonate with that is just, you know, operating in the present moment and no judgment. And again, like you said, even though there may be a particular thing that you want to occur, not holding on so tightly to what that end result is. Right. Being content within yourself either way. Mm -hmm. And that's huge. Right. Because we put a lot of expectations on ourselves. So without, like you said, giving too much away, if someone hearing this is like, okay, I want to work with Amanda. I need, I need some help. Um, I need some guidance. And two questions, I guess. First is what is the difference between the work that you do and maybe going to a therapist? And then part two is what does it look like? You said it's a nine week program. Mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming there's like an app or a website and then how much one-on-one -on -one time do they get? Can you, I know that was a lot, yeah. but can you go into <laughs> it for us? So we understand like, sure. What, what, what that looks like. Yeah. So I always make it very clear that I am not a mental health clinician. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, some people that might be a, a pro or a con for some people, depending on, you know, where they're coming from. Um, I, I do make sure that I vet people out pretty well, because if they need that next level of care, then they need that next level of care. And I know where my threshold is and I want to be very ethical and, you know, fair about it. And so I, um, if they need that, then I will help them find that. Um, and I will help them find somebody who is, you know, a licensed therapist that, um, is first responder friendly. Um, but with me, it, it's a different experience. It's not just sitting, uh, sitting down an hour a week. This is an intense experience. So the nine weeks, um, it, it starts with weekly hour long sessions, um, over zoom or most of my people are all over the country. So, mm -hmm. um, we usually do zoom and then every weekday they get a micro challenge, um, something to focus on or think about for the day. Um, and they have access to me through an app called Voxer. Um, almost any time really, it doesn't always mean I'm going to respond, but I, you know, I weekdays, I will always respond. Um, and then I do have a mobile app that houses all kinds of um, my own guided meditations, affirmations, which really I'm surprised, but my they, the clients that I've had thus far love the affirmations. Um, maybe a little more so than the meditations because they're quicker and you don't have to sit still. <laughs> yeah. Um, but 
so they would get, you know, they get full access to the app and, and all of that. Um, and there's different workbooks. And right now I'm currently developing um, a self-paced program. So I'm taking the same framework, which is my combat method, um, to connect, offload, motivate, build, align, and then transition into self-coaching. Um, and that's also going to be a nine-week program, but it'll be something that they can, you know, they get access to on the website and the app and move through it kind of at their own pace. Um, because a lot of times people will come to me and they're like, I work 75 hours a week. I really want to do this, but my schedule is not going to align with yours. And those are the people who probably need it the most because sure. they're on the brink of burnout, I'm sure. So, um, I'm really excited to be offering that soon, um, building that up and it'll have training videos and workbooks. Um, there's going to be a, a VIP version that I'm bringing in like experts, um, on different niche topics like addiction. Um, I will have a chaplain doing a little training, um, you know, the importance of physical fitness and things like that. So, um, a lot of irons in the fire, but they all center around, you know, being able to connect, offload, motivate, build and align. Um, and then the most important piece I think is being able to take all that and move it into self-coaching and be able to hold yourself accountable in a very non-judgmental way. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about because at the end of the day, who, who are we left with ourselves? So that's, yep. <laughs> that's, that's really great that that's kind of the ultimate, you know, end goal. And sometimes I don't like to necessarily use that word, but really it's what it sounds like it is with your guidance. So this is so cool. Now, if people want to find you and they want to work one-on-one -on -one with you, I'm assuming this is just something that they're doing on their own, or is this something that you've been able to offer agency wide so that this is a service to people or, or what does that look like? So the one-on-one -on -one coaching, I mean, those, my clients are just individuals that have reached out to me on their own. Um, I, I think in the works in the future, um, I could definitely see some kind of a group coaching situation, um, and maybe facilitating something like that. Um, but I'm a little over a year in and I'm a one woman show. So <laughs> it's a lot. Everything has been keeping me very busy, but I definitely foresee something like that, um, where, a, you know, a, a whole shift or a, an agency could move through it together. Um, I, I think that really has a lot of potential for some big impact. So it's potentially in the works. <laughs> yeah. Great. And for, for those listening, so, you know, we already discussed you're a yoga teacher, you've studied a lot of other things. What do people have to know about like what, what kind of credentials or training besides obviously all of your life experiential experiences, um, does somebody need to be a coach or is there anything that, that prepares you for that role? Yeah. So interestingly, right now there is no regulating authority on being a coach. Um, and I think in the last five years, it's really become like this buzzword that everybody, everybody's like, Oh, I'll just be a coach. And, and then COVID hit and they're like, perfect. I'll be a coach. And so I, I really hesitated to call myself a coach for that reason, but it really was the only thing that fit. Um, so I call myself a first responder wellness coach and specialist. Um, but there, there is no, um, regulating authority right now. Now you can go out and get certifications, um, to be trauma informed and, um, all kinds of different things, but I already have all of that within my, um, advocacy training, my master's degree. Um, so as far as credentials, I mean, I don't have one certification that says I can be a coach. Um, but when you add it all up together, I, it, it's all there. And then I think the most important piece is there really is no substitute for having lived it. And so my own personal experience, um, ties in a lot and not that everybody's experience is going to, is going to look like mine, but, um, 
being able to ha have that real connection and have a good, safe connection with your client, um, I, I think is very important because we tend to isolate a lot in these jobs. And um, for them to have a good, safe connection where they feel like they can be completely open and honest um, really provides a special container for them to offload and just be who they truly are. Well, yeah. And you, I mean, what you said is no different than a lot of other professions, which a lot of people don't realize, like there's not necessarily, even though you and I are yoga teachers, um, and you may be affiliated with yoga Alliance, like I am, but there's still no governing body over somebody teaching yoga either, or in depending on what state you're in massage therapist. So, you know, it's, that's why I wanted to ask you that I knew the answer, but I wanted people to hear <laughs> that that really it's just like anything else when you're looking for someone, a coach or, you know, somebody who, to guide you, it's so important for that connection because not every person or every coach or even every therapist is going to be for everyone. And so it's important to, to do your, your homework and vetting. And, and I assume, um, and I, you know, I should have probably looked before we started, like you have maybe testimonials from clients and that could be a good way if somebody want, is looking to work with you is to look and see what other people have said about working with you. And really that goes for anything else. Yes. Yeah. There's some on the website. Um, and I actually, I have more that I need to get on the website, but, um, yeah, the, the results that my clients have had, um, as a result of them leaning in and doing the work has mm -hmm. really been, um, tremendous. And I, I am always, I always want to remind them that the work is on their end. I'm just here to kind of be a compass mm -hmm. and, you know, give them recommendations and suggestions, but they really have to lean in and do the work if they want the result. And, um, sometimes that's hard because we don't like to feel feelings and, and really look deeply at our own, uh, self and, and some of the, maybe even some of the responsibility that we have in our own struggle, um, but when we can do that, we take our power back over it. So uh, I always make sure, though, that they know that the result is because of their work, not mine. Yeah, that's a really good point, because there is no quick, easy fix to any of this. I mean, you have to dig in and do the work and be ready to do it. Yeah, precisely. So I'm curious. So because you've been doing this stuff for a while now, and I mean this stuff, I mean, being a law enforcement officer, working with law enforcement, how do you see the things that you're talking about and doing, how things have changed and evolved since you entered the career field? Because you and I both know that these things that we're talking about today were really taboo and nobody spoke of, of trauma, stress, the impact it has. So how do you see how that's evolved? And, and, you know, if you could speak to that, especially because you mentioned going to some of these conferences and, mm -hmm. and, and talking about this stuff. Yeah. Um, so you know, back in the day, you just, feelings did not exist. They, they, you just didn't even think about them. Um, and when I came on, when I went to the Academy in 08, they said, Hey, you're going to see some stuff. You're going to have to learn to compartmentalize work is at work. Home is at home. And when I really sat down and kind of analyzed that, um, that's scary. Because if you're keeping all of your work stuff at work, uh, that then that means you're carrying that with you into every shift when really you need to be taking some of it home and offloading it and working through it. Um, and compartmentalizing will save your life on a shift. It will keep you safe. And, you know, if you, you can't be worrying about a fight you had with your girlfriend while you're on a domestic, that's not a good thing. But it's not a lifestyle either. It cannot work long term. You cannot just shut it down because you are one human. You're a whole human with one whole human experience. And um, if you try to box it away, it's going to leak out into other areas of your life. And we see that, right? Like high divorce rates, high alcohol abuse, um, high burnout. And then there's a statistic floating around right now that in, uh, after retirement, 
law enforcement officers are, are living an average of five years after they retire, which is devastating because when you spend 20, 25 years of your life serving other people, and then when you finally get your own time, you only get an average of five years. Um, and it's because of the stress, because they're holding it in and it's creating cardiovascular issues and, um, you know, we're having heart attacks and strokes and it's, it's really imperative even to our physical health that we learn how to offload the stress properly and work through, you know, a lot of the trauma and stuff that we've experienced because all of that lives in our body. It's like mental residue internal residue that just sticks to us and we really have to be able to clear it out. Are you, are you noticing that more people are a little bit more open and receptive or do you still think that people are resistant to hearing this? Yeah. So back to the original question. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, yeah. So like I said, in 08, when I went through it, it really wasn't talked about much. And even when I left in 15, I don't think that it was, I mean, I think it was kind of like a seed that had been planted, but we really weren't, we were kind of just appeasing people. Um, but what I'm seeing in the last few years is that people are really, um, you know, now that we're really starting to track officer suicides and we're really starting to notice the, the big effects of, um, the state of our society and how that's affecting people. And, um, I think as a, as a society, we're moving into a little bit more mindful situation. So I'm hoping that policing follows, but um, I, I'm seeing that people are more receptive um, than I thought they were going to be. Um, in the group situations, there's, there's always a couple that, you know, they've got to stay armored up and be the tough guy and yeah, whatever, this isn't for me. And, um, but what I also find is that the guys who have been on for 30 years who grew up in the career under that suck it up buttercup mentality, those are the ones that are ready to, to do the work. Those are the ones that are like, I can see now how if I had done this 20 years ago, my life would be a lot different. Um, and those are the ones that are really... I think get the big impact because they, they see it clearly. That's, that's a really good point because, um, you know, a lot of the people that, that I came up in this career with, cause I'm 53 are either getting ready to retire or have retired and really seeing how, um, this has impacted people after the career or towards the end of the career. And I, I agree people, these, these issues are starting to surface or have been surfacing and the decision is, okay, I neither either confront this and have a healthy retirement or live the rest of my life healthfully or continue to operate in the way that I have been for, you know, my whole life or my whole, whole career. So what, what kind of advice, if you had to offer a quick piece of advice, I know it's going to be hard for you to choose one thing. Um, to someone who might be on the cusp of this realization, like what, what can be done? Um, I mean, we've, we've touched upon a lot of things, but what, what would you tell somebody who's, you know, they can tell that, that they can't go on, like they're experiencing certain things in their body or their mind, maybe they're irritable at home, their relationships are suffering. Um, what, how can they start out if, if people feel stuck and they don't know what to do? What, what do you recommend? Really simple get real. Mm. Stop denying the reality of the situation. Um, because it's my submission that so much of our mental and emotional pain is just simply because of the resistance of the truth. Mm. And That's once we advice. start, yeah. And once we start to allow ourselves to kind of peel off that armor a little bit, the, you know, the ego and the, um, you know, putting on a show and a charade or, or maybe just being the tough guy and thinking that you have to carry it all. You don't, um, you know, there are a lot of us to help you carry it. And, um, but, but it really just starts with being very honest with yourself and not being afraid because, you know, we're not afraid of anything, right? Except feelings. Um, but not being afraid to look at your own shadow 
And what happens is when just like a real physical shadow, when you look at it from far away, it looks really big and scary. But when you move towards it, it shrinks. And you and then it becomes a little more manageable. And then when you actually get on top of it, it goes away completely. Yeah, just taking action or taking a step towards it can really be a a big relief in some instances. I mean, obviously people, some people have a lot more to deal with than others, but you're, you're absolutely right. It's just that avoidance of whatever that, that big, scary thing is. So well, Amanda, really, sorry. So just no, no, really, really willing to be honest with yourself. That's right. the, that's the first step. Well, I, what I was going to say, I wanted to wrap everything up because I know mm-hmm. that, that we've been talking for a little bit, but I really appreciate your time. And this is, this is really exciting to me because I do think that um, this is a trend that that um, f- for the future, then, you know, really offering different resources for officer wellness as things begin to evolve and change. Because, again, not everyone um, will seek out a therapist. And I, I think it's important for people to understand what the distinction is, like you did, and to know exactly what you offer and, um, they can make that, they can make that informed decision about their own healing. Like there's not just one thing. There's not just the answer is going to see a therapist, which I think is extremely valuable, but there's so many other things that, that people can do to help themselves and to become, you know, more mentally, physically, spiritually well. So how can people find you? Like, what are all the ways if somebody wants to, to chat with you or, or work with you, how can they do that? Well, everything is linked up in or on my website, which is lifesaverwellness.com. Um, and that's probably just the easiest place to start. All my social media is linked up there. Um, there's forms that you can fill out if you want more information. There are forms that go directly to me if you you know want to um, book a free 15 minute knock and talk to talk about one-on-one and what that oh, I would love look that. like for you. That's right. Awesome. Um, so <laughs> when that's essentially what it is, right. So it's, you know, just a little 15 minute chat to see if this would even be something for you. And, um, if we could work well together. And then at that point I could, uh, you know, kind of create your client journey and then go from there and see if you like what I put out. And, um, but yeah, it's all linked up on my website. That's probably the easiest a uh, place to, to mill around and, and see, um, you know, if you've got the Instagram, it's on there, whatever, whatever, it's all there. So that's probably the best place to start. Great. And I'm going to ask you one last thing to share with everybody. Um, I find that people who are, who are doing this kind of work, um, we all like can learn from each other. So if you had to, to share, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, like a really good resource besides, besides your website. Okay. Sure. Like a good resource, like a book, a, uh, a podcast, something that you would find extremely valuable to recommend to somebody else who, who might be interested in this kind of work. Hmm. Well, that's might be tricky because I come from it with a lot of different angles. I, I put a lot of different disciplines together to create what I'm doing. Um, what book are you reading or what's the last book you read? Maybe that might, that might be easier to answer. Atomic Habits by James Clear. Oh, I love that one. Yes. Um, that has really been, um, interesting and eye-opening, um, because we are goal setters. He talks about, you know, setting goals versus, uh, creating sustainable systems and, Goals are not always super beneficial in the long run. So creating those sustainable systems is really important. Um, That's the last book that I read. Um, I don't know if, you know, maybe your audience, because of the yoga part, would be open to um, the Yamas and Niyamas by Deborah Adele. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a very easy read. It is not woo-woo. It is very down to earth. She gives very clear examples of how to incorporate these things into your day-to-day life. Um, that is something that I recommend to my clients that I think would be open to it. Um, but that has been really a, a book to live by. And I, um, I read it several years ago and I have reread it several times since. <laughs> 
Yeah, I I agree with you, and it's it's funny you mentioned that because I have a friend. He uh, he's a police officer, and he's actually just wrapping up yoga teacher training. And I've known him for years, and I gave him that book as a gift um, because you're because I knew he'd be receptive to it. First of all, because you're right, people think, well, what does that even mean? Those words are weird. I don't understand them. <laughs> so, and I'm sure you've experienced this too. And it's not so much the words, the Sanskrit, it's the meaning behind it and just being able to package it in a way. So it's that underlying philosophy and intention that people get, because you're right. It is very, very, I think, practical and applicable to law enforcement or really to anybody. Yeah. And it really allows you to look at life in a way and use a certain perspective to where you can just navigate things with more ease. And um, that, you know, isn't that the goal? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, to reduce the struggle. And so um, I have found that book to be very powerful for um, myself and, and anybody that I've recommended it to that that is open to it. Yeah. And one of the things that's so great is that it gives you things to consider at the end of each chapter, like things to journal on or reflect on. So you don't just read it and move on. The intention is to read it, kind of absorb it and, you know, see how it applies to you and your life. So that, that's, a, that's a really good recommendation. <laughs> it's one of my faves. <laughs> yeah. You and I both. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. It's been a pleasure. I could talk to you forever, but um, maybe we'll have you back on and we'll, we'll talk some more about some yoga and some other cool. things that, that you're working on. So we yeah. appreciate it. I feel like there, there's some um, unfinished business. So we, you know, we could definitely do a sequel. I would be down for that. <laughs> definitely. Yes. Take care. You too. I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, please share, subscribe, review. Be sure to see the links in the show notes for resources mentioned in this episode as always, please feel free to reach out to me on email, wendy at blueline again, for questions, suggestions, or comments. I love hearing from you. And remember, we are better together. Mm -hmm.